Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mediocre Conversations with Tom and Drew. I'm Tom. And I'm Drew. And this is the only podcast where we will guarantee the only thing that you will hear is mediocrity. You can take that guarantee to the bank. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but you can take it there. Not much. It's not worth anything. Not like currency. Spoilers ahead, everybody. Yes. Now, I should say... Well, it's, oh, on, shit, it's no. on us. It's on us to indicate that there are spoilers. Not quite I, yet, right? I forgot. Well, we're getting really close. We're getting really close to the spoilers. However, if you're listening to this podcast and you have not watched the the stuff that we're talking about, I don't really know what kind of life you could. The be stuff being with. Kenobi, Kenobi, Obi Wan Kenobi. What's it, is it just called Kenobi? Well, it's Obi Wan Kenobi, and then like okay. he's he also goes by Ben Kenobi. Quite yeah. Before. Well, the TV show though, it's called. Obi-Wan Obi-Wan Kenobi, yeah. yeah right if you're not if you're not watching that and you're listening to this i don't it's know very, what you're doing very strange combination of th- i mean i appreciate diagram. it nonetheless i just oh, don't yeah. understand you yeah correct yeah, that's what i was mm-hmm. Getting at. Mm-hmm. but we're gonna ask, answer some questions first yep so we probably a- are not laden with spoilers no Un- unless you haven't watched any star wars and then again yeah, but i'm I'm not going to do spoilers for that. Okay. Yeah. No. So, uh, before we do questions, all from right. Master Winkle, I might say. Yeah, yeah. We we do have an announcement to make. We yeah. are everyone. We stop a, what you're doing and listen. Okay. We have engaged the services of a, a digital artist to create a artiste. Hey, did you guys know how much Drew likes it when somebody interrupts him? It's a lot. Even if it's um, not intentionally douchey mm. on the person on the part of the interruptor, me in this instance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he still hates it. And I do hate it. It's <laughs> I've almost I've done it like twenty times uh-huh. a day, unintentional. I think that at some point you become aware of it and just and you get kind of a kick out of it. Mm. Yes. Or maybe not even kind of a kick, maybe just like a straight kick. You would like that. A lot of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I've allowed us to get off on a tangent only because he was giving me a face like he wanted to punch me, but he can't. You so I just want to let you guys know that he wants to away. he wants to punch me. Anyway, you were saying about a digital artiste. We hired a digital artist and we have created a podcast specific logo. That we will be debuting hopefully here uh, before July is up. Um, so keep your eyes out for that on Spotify. So get fucking ready, everybody. Wow. But yeah. Yikes. Hey, if you're excited, they'll be excited. I mean, I'm ex- I don't know that I was that excited. I mean, that was. I'm just like managing should... expectations, you know, and they Good. should be high. Yes. I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, he's, oh, he's good. He's not that good, but uh, unless anyways, he's listening, just, then he's the best. Yeah. Tony, Tony, if, you, if you're listening to the podcast, we appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And your work will be displayed forever on the, on the interwebs. So, but now on to some questions and these are all presented to us by our uh, Jedi Esteemed. High Council member. Not really colleague. Friend. He is certainly a friend. Yeah. Master Winkle. That's right. 
Um, so he says, um, random question, but why don't dark side force users ever do the, these aren't the droids you're looking for thing, which in star Wars is referred to as mind trick, Jedi mind trick. Also light side force users don't ever seem to do the long distance choke made famous by Darth Vader. I'm assuming both groups could pull either trick, but it seems like they only do one or the other. Brainwashing doesn't seem inherently good, but it, it would it is used by lightsiders for good. But couldn't choking someone from a distance also be used for good? I can think of situations where it could be used to incapacitate someone without doing them any lasting harm. Do you think there's a reason for this or has it just been shown this way in the movies? So some good questions. Theories. Let me hear some of your, of your theories. Um, <clears throat> theory one would be you can't access just because you're not you can access the force doesn't mean you get to access all parts of the force. It depends on how you access the force. Dark side users access it a different way, giving them opportunities to use different things. But also oh. choking. Without, yeah, that was a pretty long pause for you to, to but you waited. You, you blew your chance. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to keep going. Now I am. Uh, choking, see, Jedi are all about the defense, typically, right? Yes. And you can't defensively choke somebody. Not really. Like, unless they, oh, the only times if they are trying to run after you and tackle you and you extend your arm into a, choking motion and they fall into your hand that's like the only defensive choke i think you could do right it doesn't happen often where they are essentially choking themselves while pressing their throat into the palm of your hand Mm -hmm. so you're real you're real close i'm very proud of you for for doing that so thanks um and the i wanted to say that master winkle has hit on kind of an early debate in star wars with this question, um, I'm guessing unknowingly. Um, and so the example I'll use is in episode six, when, at the beginning of the film, when Luke goes to Jabba's palace to get Han Solo back, he, he walks in and two Gamorrean guards walk up and they cross their battle axes in front of him to block their way. And Luke just like pushes one hand on one guard and pushes the other hand on the other guard. And they both back up and clutch at their necks. And so the when the films came out in like 1982, I believe, um, everyone assumed that Luke was choking the guards to move back. But we had learned in Empire Strikes Back that, you know, the Yoda tells Luke, like the force is only used for education and defense, never for attack. And that was a, that's a, that would be a very aggressive move by Luke if, that, if he was choking them. So one of the very first quote unquote retcons of Star Wars was that Luke used force trick, mind trick, to make the Gamorreans think that they were choking. Get the fuck out of here. Nope, this is all real. And so I don't know what the difference is between thinking that you're choking and actually choking, if you believe it and you're reacting the same way as if you were being choked. But basically, they needed to make Luke Skywalker look like a good guy and not someone who just walks around choking people because the only person that we had seen choke anyone with the force was the ultimate bad guy in the entire thing, Darth Vader. So in order to differentiate use of the force between good guys and bad guys, these were the first two force powers that really kind of 
ended up formulating the debate between like, where is the line between good and bad? And so even though it's a morally gray area to mind trick another living sentient person, um, it, it does kind of violate their free will. <clears throat> um, it's not causing them physical harm. And that's the, that's the key difference. So you were right. Like Jedi won't use the force to directly harm someone, but the Sith will. And the reason why you don't see Sith like tricking people or like these aren't the droids you're looking for is that they don't tip, they typically like adhere to more forceful ways of persuasion. And I think that's more about how they're written than like how they would be in real life. But <clears throat> Jedi, only weak minded people can be mind tricked too, right? Right. And there are some, which species, makes it slightly worse. Well, right? so there are some species, whether they're weak minded or not, and they're almost all like gangster criminal-esque species like the Toydarian that owned Anakin, uh, Watto, and like the Huts who are jerks, you know, and like a bunch of the different like races that traditionally serve the Huts kind of have this kind of innate special trait where they can't be mind-tricked or what have you. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, if you're tricking the weak-minded, I mean, is that a good thing? I mean, I mean, I the only the only argument I really have for it is if it avoids conflict where someone's life could be on the line, I think that you would err on the side of that as opposed to just going straight to the fight type of a thing. But yeah, it's that's why it's a gray area. It's not like the the council, the Jedi Council basically said we don't really approve of this practice. But we, but they, I guess it was kind of understood that it was going to happen. You know, couldn't, like Qui Gon uses it all the time. Could, yeah, couldn't they? But I guess the, my question is, could they do it? Yes. So both groups, like we've talked about before, like if you and if you knew one force power and I knew a different force power, and then we right. met at a conference. Yeah. I could probably tell you my method for accessing how I'm using the force and you could do likewise, you know, and then whether or not you're calling upon the light side of the force or the dark side of the force, it's all about like your intention in the moment, right? Like we've seen in Kenobi numerous examples of when Kenobi could have called upon the dark side of the force to help him out in like kind of a strenuous situation, right? Yeah. He doesn't choose to do it. Could he have? Yeah, he could have. I don't know that it's innately something like I've always, I mean, you've heard of visualization, right? Like picture yourself being successful or like oh, sure. imagine like Put on your vision board. Yeah. Or something like, or like, you know, you know, just, you know, envision yourself jumping higher or something to that effect. And then people like jump like two inches higher or whatever it is, that kind of thing. Like in one of the force books or one of the books about uh, the old EU canon, um, Han Solo's daughter Jaina was saw someone who was being choked through the force and she she in her mind's eye she envisioned it as a a chain that was wrapped around that person's throat and in order to break that she she visualized the chain being broken apart and then through the force kind of like 
made that a reality. disrupted that link yeah and that worked you know so i think that visualizing is a big part of how you take your intent when you call upon the force to make something a reality um and so in this case if you wanted to choke somebody you're you would call upon the dark side of the force to harm that person jedi could jedi could do that they choose not to and like from the other point of view they could choose to trick people the sith could or the inquisitors could and i would say that like there's probably more situations that are applicable to like tricking someone than just like barreling through them and intimate or intimidating them or something it's not really their style no yeah exactly exactly right so i mean if you're if you're part god and you're evil you're not your first five instincts are not going to be to reason with the person you're talking to right uh, and he, um, master winkle does have a couple other questions we should we should touch on real quick um he has a question about interspecies relationships so he says in star trek there are many interspecies relationships that result in very interesting plot lines but they don't venture down that path often in Star Wars. What kind of interspecies ships, in quotation marks, are you looking forward to? And which ones, if any, did this fucking casual miss from the canon so far? <laughs> if some of you remember in our earlier podcast, I referred to people who aren't as invested as I am in Star Wars as fucking casuals. Yeah. And Master Winkle has really adopted that moniker. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, he's right. And it's a good example because Star Trek has many examples of like interspecies sexuality. And I think that's largely to show that society has moved to a point where like appearance and that kind of thing doesn't matter as much as it's about like who you are and being attracted to that person. Star Wars doesn't do this because romance and sexuality play such a small role in most of the storylines. And when you do have a storyline revolving around love, it's it's basically about that. Like someone has fallen in love with, for legitimate reasons, another character. And most of the time, those were, especially in the films, uh, human to human relationships like Padme and Anakin, Kylo and, or I'm sorry, Ben Solo and Rey. You know, those are, you know, Leia and Han, you know, those kinds of things even though I'm pretty sure Chewie had a shot. So, uh, cause she got pretty mad at Han a couple of times. So <clears throat> I think that has more to do with the fact that the actors that are playing those characters are human, especially <laughs> back in the seventies and nineties. So, but like, I do think that that's changing. So like in rebels, um, the two of the main characters, Harris and Dula and Kanan Jarrus, um, were not of the same species. She was a tw- Twi'lek, or Twi'lek as I like to I call them. Yeah. And he's a human, and they were in a romantic relationship together. Pretty, so it looks pretty close to human. They just have yeah, two giant strands of hair. Yes, off the back of their head. Yep. Yeah. But Twi- Twi'leks are kind of the galaxy's sex alien, if you were, like they're typically the species that is if star if star wars when star wars does sexualize somebody 
mostly women. Um, it's typically Twi'leks that end up in like not a lot of clothing. Yeah. So like this is the species that was dancing in front of Jabba that he drops down into the Rancor pit. And like in the book of Boba Fett, this was the saloon that gets blown up, was run by a Twi'lek hostess, and she had two very brightly colored Twi'lek attaches or something who were in great shape and not wearing a bunch of clothing, right? Yeah. So when Star Wars wants to sexualize somebody or like get you to notice their physical appearance, that's typically how they do it. It doesn't factor into a lot. It's usually just like a quick, oh, look at that. Yeah. I will say, though, if, if I am rooting for any kind of relationship in Star Wars, the one that I will say that I, for no good reason, very much want to happen, what I think would probably end up in the Ahsoka TV show is if they find Ezra Bridger, who was the young kid in Rebels, who is now about Luke's age, um, Sabine Wren, who was the female artist Mandalorian in that show, yeah, they, she is a little bit older than he was, five years. Same kind of Padme Anakin style relationship. He was clearly interested. Yeah, yeah, I did for everybody, <laughs> but she, he was clearly interested in her, and I never, I never felt that that was reciprocated. Yeah, but as he grew up throughout the show and went from being like a kid to a young, a young man. Yeah, I, I do think that they became more equals as he became like learned about more, you know, took on more responsibility, a lot of hormones probably. Yeah. And uh, if they meet up in Ahsoka, I would be rooting for them to be in a romantic relationship where they were in love because there's no more order Jedi order. You know, he was, he was taken into the, his Jedi training very late around 14 or 15 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I'm curious to see what Luke's iteration of the Jedi Order and like rules would have been. Like, I just don't know that it matters nearly as much at this point. So, well, and I think also, like, specially, there's a lot of different methods, I think, of procreation that are very specific to that species itself, right? Probably. Like, like, uh, Mandalorian when he catches, um, blue guy in the very first episode oh yeah yeah horatio sands yeah horatio sands he like mentions something that kind of lets you know that his body works differently it's like i'm molting yeah than ours does yeah Yeah, the the frog yeah thing that that grogu kept cannibalizing and everyone was just so so fond of right so i think that there might be part of it not to say that procreation is the only part of of a relationship right um but I mean, that might be, that might factor in yeah. some of these things, you know? Yeah. She's carrying around a globe of, or a, a giant backpack of eggs that he needs to, it's more than one man can handle, I think. Yeah. For responsibility. Yeah, for sure. So let's, um, let's continue on here. There's got, he's got two more questions. He says, a lot of the plot of Star Wars revolves around balancing the force. So let's do a what if. He says, I know you hate this, but go with me. Mm. And I do hate him. So if Anakin actually died at the end of episode three, so like, you know, Obi-Wan cuts him in pieces around the lake of fire and then then him lighting on fire kills him. Or he just ends it. 
Yeah, or he just walks done. down and just, just, just lopped his head off, man. Pokes him a little bit in the forehead with the lightsaber. How would be much? No, it would not have to be much. How would the dark side have corrected that? Darth Maul was dead, which uh, is true in the films, but not the rest of the canon, which he didn't know. So I'm not holding it against him. Would Palpatine have chosen someone else? Would he have just waited in the wings for Kylo to, to uh, Kylo Ren to emerge? What type of time scale are we looking at here? If he can't die, would Palpatine simply have waited until someone who meets his specific qualifications emerged, or would he have pressed the issue? So that's a good question. Yeah. So let's say let's say Anakin's dead. <clears throat> Bye. Technically, Darth Maul is alive, but he's years away from becoming a threat at all again to the, the larger galaxy. <clears throat> um, technically, he's out there. Okay. So well, Palpatine had multiple on retainer at one time right like i would imagine that if he didn't have wasn't actively having a backup for vader that he knew of somebody that he could in case i think he has tabs on anything or anything anyone that he could use or exploit or gain or benefit from yeah it was just a matter of putting attention or focusing on any of them so let's assume anakin's dead then and everything else plays out the same. Like the empire still happens, all that, right? Gotta hear Palpatine's it. in control. He certainly gets somebody to run the day-to-day like Vader was doing for the empire. And then I think that what he probably ends up doing is finishing his work on like making sure that he's achieved immortality. And then I think that he would have one of two things. He could have easily, A, have done what Master Winkle suggests, which is wait for another powerful force user like Kylo Ren to emerge in the force. Or he could have tried to replicate what Darth Plagueis did by simply getting the midichlorians to create life and then trying to basically Anakin Skywalker 2.0. Yeah, because he knew that Anakin was just a bunch of midichlorians, right? Yes. Yeah, so as soon as he learned that that was possible, I'm surprised he didn't do it while he Vader was with him. The only the only thing that gives me any kind of pause on like why Palpatine wouldn't move forward with a plan like that is that I think Vader getting cut into little pieces was probably the best thing for Sidious that could have happened. Like he puts Vader in the suit which like is an everyday reminder that Sidious saved his life Mm -hmm. and that he's kind of reliant upon Sidious for whatever it is that he currently has. And like, even though they do a little bit like in video games and maybe some comics about how Vader is going to take on Palpatine and like throw him down and assume the mantle of Darth Lord of the Sith, like, a lot of what we see in the films and in the TV shows is Darth Vader being unreproachable in his loyalty to Darth Sidious. Sure. So assuming that the movies are the highest form of canon, my take on Vader is that he's really never going to push the envelope on what, you know, a challenging Darth Sidious. So like Sidious has the best version of anakin skywalker but he has he also has a version of anakin skywalker 
that he's so thoroughly manipulated psychologically that the dude literally doesn't entertain the option of going up against them. And that's pretty, you know, handy. Yeah. You know, I, you know, he had so many projects going that I, I assume that he like had some kind of dream journal where he would wake board. up at yeah, two 30 in the morning and be like, Oh dude, we need a, a, a spherical space station that can blow up planets the size of a moon. Okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to get moth whatever on this. And then like, Oh, need to, figure out a way to imbue force energy into clones of myself so I can make Snoke someday or whatever, you know, right. There's all these things. So some interesting questions that Mr. Winkle has come up with. His last one is, and I think I want your take on this one more than mine, especially Mm. Tom. He says, your description of the inquisitors makes me think of the Joker. He is a mainstay in all things Batman, but his standalone movie painted him in a very sympathetic light. He's clearly not a good guy in that film, but it makes the viewer understand what made the Joker. There are, are there any origin stories in the Star Wars universe that would do the same thing for any of the bad guys other than Anakin? So I throw this question to you in the first part. Mm. Do you feel that the Dark Knight made joker in any way a sympathetic character not no not not the dark knight but the movie the joker okay joaquin phoenix the joaquin phoenix one which is probably the one that he's referring to here that very easily could be um and yeah that i mean it it explained maybe why he was the way he was and who he was right so which the answer is the easy answer is mental illness right so it's hard for me to be like hey this guy that was mentally ill is not sympathetic as a person right because right but someone trying to get help and unable to find the necessary help needed and then losing themselves to their own madness Mm -hmm. maybe garners some sympathy it's hard for me even knowing his struggle. Yeah. And like all the terrible things by Bruce Wayne, what was it? Bruce Wayne's father, his mother, the mental health system, mm-hmm. his employer. Right. You know, all of the people that are basically involved in his life let him down or abused him in some way. So it's hard for me to say, well, it's kind of, you know, overcome Arthur. You know, or what have you. Yeah. But I mean, I also don't want to feel bad for what he became at all. Like, and like, so the only way that I feel like I can say it's okay to be sympathetic for the Joker is if you kind of say what he became, like when he went in, like mad or insane. Yeah. You're no longer. He's no longer culpable for any of those decisions or actions. I think that there's a difference between understanding something and excusing it or explaining it and even like feeling bad for the person, but still not. I don't think that gives them a pass at what they did. Good, because I don't want to give them a pass on what he did. No. So, um, do I wish that any of those things had happened to him? Nope. No. 
do I want him to be caught and punished and kept away from society? Absolutely. I do. Well, I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of like when you hear stories of like actual mass murderers growing up and like, you know, there are specific markers uh, that we've determined that make you a little more likely to, to be like a severe head trauma um before the age of 10 or 12 or something like that and like you you hear these stories from these people and like oh yeah there was no way they were going to be anything but a a violent murderer yeah i mean that sucks for them it's never like okay well you tried to best i guess you know if you ever looked into charles manson's history you'd been like this dude never had a shot no Mm -mm. so many of them didn't right and especially back then when it was just like mental health, you've got demons in your blood, you know? Right. <laughs> we'll leech you and then you'll be fine. <laughs> right. Um, I will say though, that in that film, the Joker at the end, when he stands up on the car and he like puts his index fingers in the corner of his mouth and like makes himself smile. Yeah. And it's with his own blood. Yeah. That is still kind of hauntingly one of the best <laughs> scenes I've ever seen in movies. <laughs> Yeah, that movie definitely made an impression. Uh, I never want to see it again. I've never felt the urge to watch it a second time. No. I heard uh, they're making another one. But it was great. Oh, good. Uh, something else I'll see once. Now, I will say before I answer the last part of his question, that in, and I, I don't expect anybody except people who enjoy comic books to know this, but like in Batman canon, there are three different Jokers. Mm-hmm. So there's like the the laughing clown, the criminal, and like the mastermind or something like that. And they are effectively three different people mm-hmm. who terrorize Batman and the Bat family one at a time. Right. And it's very odd, <laughs> like the way that they've started telling the story, but it's a really good story. So it's called The Origin of the Three Jokers. I think Scott Snyder wrote it, who's kind of a famous Batman comic uh, writer. He knows his way around a comic. Yeah. And uh, I've really liked his stuff that he's done. So I wonder if DC is between... So we've had three different people play Joker. Well, four technically, right? But like we've had three different people play Joker recently. Mm -hmm. Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, and then... Oh, what's his name? What is the guy's name? Joaquin Phoenix? Joaquin Phoenix. I can never remember yeah. that guy's name. And I'm wondering if they are supposed to be different versions of this canonical idea of the Joker. Oh, sure. Or if they're like in different realities or whatever. So, <clears throat> but anyways, that was a very interesting uh, question. Um, and there are there any bad guys whose like origin stories make them sympathetic characters? I thought about this at work today because I didn't want to work. And there's only one that I can really come up with quickly off the top of my head. And that's a a character named Asajj Ventress. And she was a night sister. So like, you know where Darth Maul grew up? Anyway, she grew up on the same planet as Darth Maul. Hmm. And in that, on that planet, it's called Dathomir. Maluin? Okay. Very close. So um, men were subservient to women. It's a matriarchy. Okay. And so she was born into the ruling class of this planet called the Night Sisters. And they were kind of like a 
dark side cult. Yeah. And um, he is what's known as a knight brother and someone that they just use to like they're gophers and they do, they build things for the night sisters, but they're lower uh, secondhand citizens. And uh, they, the night sisters gave her away to a traitor or somebody for some reason. I don't know why. And then she was found by a Jedi Knight and she had force potential and she was then trained as a Jedi until she was about 12. And then like pirates ended up killing her Jedi Knight master. And then she killed the pirates and then fell to the dark side, took over the planet that she was on as she kind of grew up a little bit and then sought out Count Dooku to become his apprentice um, during the Clone Wars. And then she and Kenobi and Anakin kind of have these like back and forth fights all throughout the Clone Wars. And then at the end of the at the end of that uh, television show, she has kind of not really stopped being a bad guy, but is a lot closer to being becoming a good guy again. Mm-hmm. So she has this kind of yo-yo relationship with the light and the dark side of the force, and I think that her circumstances are kind of like what we're talking about here, where it's just like it would have been miraculous if she had made it out in one piece. Yeah. So that's Asajj Ventress is about the only character I think that I can readily identify. Uh, I'm excited to start getting unknown quantity uh, character stories because mm-hmm. right now we're just filling in gaps. We know the right. end, we know the beginning, mm-hmm. but it'd be nice to get something and it'd be, and, and then you could do something where you're like, Oh, look, this is a good guy. No, fuck. No, no. they were a good guy. Right, like in the Anakin story, you're like, "Hey, he's so nice. I know where this is going." Mm, you know, yeah, right. But like, you know, I like being surprised about stuff like that. I'm wondering if the Andor television show will mm. introduce characters that would fit that description. Yeah, I, and that, I think we have one. I think we have a possible one now. Oh, we'll discuss it in a minute. Huh. Well, with that wonderful segue, let's start yeah. talking about the season finale, possibly spoiler alert of Obi Wan Kenobi. Spoiler, yeah, spoiler alerts! Spoilers ahead. Ahead. Uh, so I was referring to Reva. I feel like that sure. could be an interesting story of somebody who we don't know, but like, and the, the thing is that that you forget is that there's a bunch a bunch of plants. I know we use one right now, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a ton of them. And there's a ton of things happening on these planets, right? So, like, there there are people we don't even know about on worlds we don't even know about that could have interesting stories, arcs that could be bad. There could be force users, you know? Mm-hmm. So do something with that, Disney. Any hoozle. What did you think about this uh, episode? Well, I thought it was great. And they they really packed a lot of stuff into it. So it's almost an hour long. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And uh where do you want to start with this one? Um was there a character or like a situation that you wanted to touch on? No, I mean I, obviously there's when Obi-Wan decides he wants to wake the fuck up, but like that one's an obvious one to talk about. Well, let's talk about that one. So we start off the episode, they're still on the ship. The Star Destroyer is chasing them and yet somehow cannot destroy that ship. I just. I don't know why it takes. I don't know. I, I personally, I don't know why you're chasing down a small ship. You're a giant fucking destroyer, right? And then it takes the big man to be like, hey, 
let's use all the guns. Okay. <laughs> you know, and they, there were extra guns. And then like so much more firepower goes on. It's <laughs> just like, Oh, we could have been doing this the whole time, guys. I don't know why we're just letting it zip around. It reminded me of the family guy parody where it was like uh, episode four when C-3PO and R2-D2 get on the skate pods with the Death Star mm. plans. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, hold on. It just misfired. Like, you don't have to blow that up, you know? And it's <laughs> like, are we paying by the laser? Like, <laughs> why are we Why are we not doing this? And, yeah. uh, and it was just like, is it a problem to fire all of the weapons that are pointed in that direction? Yeah, and then, so... There was an interesting interchange uh, or exchange on the uh, on the escape boat, right? Where where he's like, Obi Wan's like, I have to go, and they're like, No, 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 you want to go, mm-hmm. you you want to go fight this person, which I thought was interesting. Where he's just like, Yeah, yeah, but it makes sense too, right, guys? Yeah, I mean that's true, <laughs> right? There was a there was another couple. Um, little things on that ship that I wanted to kind of touch on briefly. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. he, so Obi-Wan is going to go off and face Vader alone to distract Vader and let everyone else get away. Right. Right. And so what's going to happen to Leia? She's 10, you know? So he asks Haja. Yeah. To A known grifter. Right. Mm-hmm. To take care of her and get her home. Yeah. And Haja says, you have my word. And then kind of like self deprecates and is like, <laughs> as far as like a con artist fake jedi's word will go and kenobi's like legit serious yeah and he's like it's good enough for me and you could tell that that meant something to haja yeah and like this is the kind of thing this is the kind of message that i like to see in star wars like yeah dude like i know like you've you've swindled people and you're on maybe you've got one foot on either side of like morality here but like Mm -hmm. chips are down shit matters i can trust you with this i know who you are really and can can force users sense things in people they can sense intent you know like i think that if you have to kind of concentrate on it i think but like i think that obi-wan kenobi being who he was with the life experience that he has had can pretty quickly sum up like who's a decent person and who's a piece of shit. Yeah. And I mean, the dude, he, he did have a rather quick redemption. I mean, it's only six episodes. He can only do so much. Right. So like, (laughs) but the guy was just like, Hey, he's still, he's still good. Whether it's chaotic good or whatever the designation is. Right. Cause he's like, of course, family, I'm getting you to safety. Mm -hmm. It's going to cost you extra because I'm going to make you believe that I'm a Jedi right right but like that's that's like the only dishonest thing he did was kind of defraud them right a little bit i mean he exploited it but if he was just a normal person being like of course i can get you you're gonna pay me though like no nothing too terrible about that or not at least nothing too abnormal about that yeah if there's two people being like hey i can get you off planet and one of them pretends he's a jedi and you believe yeah You probably yeah. want to go with that guy. That's just marketing everybody. Okay? Oh, okay. But then like immediately he's like, Hey, I got your back. Okay. Go here. And he was telling the truth about that. He and was. he was like, I will distract Reva who is probably going to kill him. 
some for some reason didn't, but he was just like, so he's he's already like basically aligned himself with mm-hmm. whatever Obi-Wan is wanting to do. So it's not a huge stretch. Right. You know, and and in the middle of an escape pod with a bunch of other people is a weird time to to pull a grift on somebody, you yeah. know. <laughs> no one would see it coming. <laughs> right. right. So uh, so then he gets in the in the pod, right? Yep. And he zips away. And then they have this dumb conversation. Not dumb, but they fight. They go down, they go back down. To, I'm sorry, uh the Grand Inquisitor and Darth Vader. Okay, this is what yeah, I was hoping we'd talk about. This. They go back down to using only one laser cannon and they 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 put the others, they stop firing all lasers again while this tiny boat ship decides to break off and they're just like hey we should keep pursuing this take down the whole thing obviously Darth Vader's like no came here for no I came here for my guy right yeah and and he's he's the boss man um and it's it's interesting you forget that that Grand Inquisitor is sort of his subordinate right 100% is subordinate yeah (laughs) because he's like uh you're being dumb Darth Vader yeah, that's as um as politically correct as you could be like, hey, isn't the upside here the <laughs> 50 as opposed to the one? Yeah, if you can if you can roll your eyes in the force, that motherfucker did it in that conversation because it was very clear which side of the equation he wanted right. to, to go on. And he was like, Okay, right. well, we'll we're turning the ship and yeah, he should have just been like who signed your paychecks, you know. I have, I I think that that's all that Darth wanted. Oh, that's yeah, why 100%. he didn't destroy the ship when they probably absolutely could have the the big carrier. But then also why when he went off on that tiny ass escape pod, they didn't just light him up. I right. think he was like, we're just gonna keep the heat on him, make him land, and then I'm gonna handle this. Right. I, I agree. That, that's that has to be right. I mean, when you're as upset as Anakin Skywalker or Darth Vader was, you kind of want to be, you kind of want to see the dude's, the light go out in his eyes. <laughs> yes. yes. The smart play would have been to just blow the thing into dust. Yeah. From your immense war machine that you're flying around in space in. But like, no, we're not going to do it. So yeah, so he goes down to the planet for a, planet for a little one-on-one. And yeah. coming off of the previous episode, I'm like, I wonder how Kenobi's going to run away from him. So knowing what you know about Jedi, like, what do you think was the change in him? Because he has a moment, right? Well, first, so they fight. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead then. They fight. Yeah. Doesn't go super well. He tries, uh, Obi tries to push a pillar onto the man who snatched a spaceship out of of the air. uh, Like it was nothing. Right. And then he snatched this pillar of, of rock out of the air like it was nothing and pushed right. it away, right? And then he essentially buries Obi-Wan under a lot of rocks, right? Mm-hmm. And then we see, and then he just leaves him because that's what, that's, he, he, he did what his master taught him, you know, right. still learning, still can't get those Obi-Wan teachings out of your head. Yeah. When you're not sure if they're dead, walk away. Right, 99%. Yeah. Don't go past. Okay. Everyone knows in a race, you run up to the finish line, you never cross it. 
Right. You okay. wait for the next person to run past you so you can get second place. That's right. Maybe that was a long con. Maybe that was it. Obi-Wan is like, I'm leading this guy astray. Now, next time he's going to try. Yeah, he's going to think he's finished. It would be a very long con. So Obi is buried under a bunch of rocks, right? Holding, hold, protecting himself with the force. Right. And then that's that's got to be like where the shift happens because you hear a bunch of internal monologue you hear you hear what's going on in his head all this noise and stuff which we know is not what the jedi want they want calm clear collect in touch with the force right it's so it's this so like that but let's let's take it one step further so if you notice the first thing that he hears is all of these different um things that Anakin Skywalker said like throughout their time together. Yeah. And he's struggling to hold back this rock to save himself. Yeah. And then he thinks about Leia. Yeah. And it's it's at that point where he finds the strength and this is the difference to me between the Jedi and the Sith is that like you know when when Rey is being overpowered by Kylo in 7 like she's not calling upon the force really she's just holding on when he's buried under this rock and he's struggling to just hold you know hold it still and so he doesn't die you know he's thinking about all these like unfortunate things that happened between him and anakin skywalker and then when it's about protecting somebody else when it's about getting up and going the extra mile when someone else who can't defend themselves is at risk. That's when he's able to like dig deep when Ray mm-hmm. realizes that the force is her ally, like, and she calms down and like gives over to like allowing the force to guide her actions. Like when Obi realizes that it's not, it's not like, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. Everything's like, that's when he finds the extra bit of strength. And so then he blasts out of that shit and pops out of that hole. Yeah. And runs up on Vader round two fight. So it seems like in order for the Jedi to sort of access their extra strength or whatever, they basically have to remove themselves from the equation. Well, like the way that I see it is, They, they need to, like, you could, in that situation that he was in, I mean, I would have probably panicked, right? Like, sure. Like, and that leads to poor decision making, you know? And mm-hmm. I think, like, when I'm usually able to solve problems is when I'm clear headed and I have, you know, a plan. And I mean, I don't, I've never had the or force at least support. Right. right. And, so I think we see so we see so other so few examples of someone using the light side of the force to call upon great power like the Sith do. Mm-hmm. And it's largely because you don't need great power like that to do what a lot of light side practitioners do in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to kill someone with the force and you don't need to pick someone up and throw a boulder. Choke them choke them you know right and so it's not something that's done often now i think obi-wan 
when he was thinking about Leia and and realizes that you know she still needs him and that's the priority not beating Darth Vader but saving Leia yeah is when you see him well that's what I, don't I mean though I don't think it's about like that power that he has is always in him right like I don't know that's what I mean though is like his access to that power defeating Darth Vader is him writing his own wrong in his mind yeah that's about him he had to ignore that focus on somebody else not defeating Vader because of all of this shit all of his past history right but if he has to get through Vader or rather if he has to get to Leia in order to do that, he has to go through Vader. That's what he's, that's where the motivation comes from. That's where the power comes from. Yeah. Right. Well, yes. I think so. I think that that's a good way to put it. Hmm. Okay. I just don't, I just don't like when you originally defined it, I, I didn't think that it was like, Oh, if he, if he thinks about, solving this problem in a different way, saving Leia versus like beating Darth Vader that allows him a greater power. No, I don't think so. I just think it helped clarify like what needed to be done. Right. Well, because, because before he gets buried, when he does try and throw that big rock at Vader, but then Vader's like, Oh, your strength Cute. is returned at least. And but your weakness this, still remains. That line is so yeah. key. Yeah. And for a minute, I wrote it down as a question, and I think I have the answer to it now, but I was like, weakness still remains. What are we talking about? And then I think in the second part where uh, when he sneaks up on him, you know, fight night round two, Mm -hmm. maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me, but I think that the weakness is that he was referring to was in an earlier battle where, uh, he kept using defense, yeah. not offense, defense, while Anakin was using more offense and everything. I think in the second one, Obi-Wan was way more offensive. And he would just fucking win after him. Mm-hmm. And and Vader wasn't prepared for that because he's only used to, to sparring with Obi where he's being defensive. He's only using defensive moves. He's, you know, just countering. And this time he was just like going after him. Mm-hmm force pushing him you know i mean he did he did catch his vader did catch his blade which is always always going to be a great move. god that's so cool it's so good but even then and or uh, obi-wan was just like okay well let's do this then you know and he was doing he was he, he was just a lot more aggressive i felt yeah and and then, and then he pushed him a lot which is crazy to do to darth vader in the first place i mean think about when he walked in and caught that ship yeah right like obi-wan kenobi took a dude that did that and threw his ass 100 feet into a yeah cliff face and this was two days ago right two three days ago uh darth vader picked his ass up removed his lightsaber from him and then drug him face first through fire (laughs) right so like he's come a long way since then so i think and maybe I'm maybe you have a different interpretation, but I think the weakness was just his defensive nature. And this time he went offensive, caught him off guard, and oh, and Darth Vader did not handle that. 
so I, I think that you're, you fit a bullseye with your interpretation of this. I just, I would only want to add one other thing, please. And that is, I think what, what I thought when Vader said that, when the weakness still remains, yeah, is that Obi-Wan will never use the force in a way like Vader would. Mm-hmm. And so if like, if you and I are struggling in a life and death confrontation, Tom. Yeah. Against each other or with each against other? Against one another. Oh, so you're trying to kill me. I'm trying to kill you. Okay. You're trying to kill me back. Huh? Or like, let's just say, let's say we're trying to, I'm, we're each trying to win the fight, but you're willing to kill me. Oh, sure. Who do you think has the advantage there? Me. Right. And that's Vader's point. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to take this back. I'm going to take a quick a quick tangent here back to um, the first Iraq war. Okay. Okay. As one does when they're talking about star Wars. Right. So here's, here's why I want to do this. Cause this is, I was, that was in the early nineties and I was about 10 or 12 years old when that was going on and 60 minutes interviewed a Muslim. I think that he was involved. I mean, it was so long ago now, but like, I think that he was part of a terror network and had like, quote unquote, turned state's witness or whatever for America. And they had him and his family here and then 60 minutes interview the guy. And so we were in Iraq and we were, you know, liberating Kuwait and then toppling Saddam Hussein's um, government. Yeah. And so the interviewer asked him a question, like, do you think America has a chance to win this war? And the guy goes, no. And the, and the interviewer is like, well, what do you mean? Like we've, you know, we have tanks and planes and you guys don't have anything. And he was like, well, that's not the war that matters. Mm-hmm. The war that matters is, is that the people who are espousing this point of view and like what he meant was like Muslim fanaticism that we've mm-hmm. been fighting for 30 years almost. Yeah. <clears throat> the reason that they're likely to win is because, um, and then he said, I'm willing to have my son die for Allah and you're not willing. Your sure. most of your people are not willing to die for your country. Sure. And that's why we'll win in the long run. Yeah. You know, and I thought, Oh shit, like that kind of sums it up. Right. It like makes a lot of sense. Like if you're, I mean, his kid is playing on the ground next sure. to him with, yeah, he's referring to like his child, his right. toddler and child. And I'm like, he's willing to let life that he brought into the world die for this cause and i you know and like if you can't match that right how how are you supposed to win and so like we see that to a different degree Mm -hmm. you know play out in this episode because obi-wan finds a way to do that like here vader is willing to go to any length we we know that about darth vader we've talked about that a thousand times yeah you know he's willing to go to any length to make sure that he accomplishes his, his task or does what his master tells him and or to win and so we see obi-wan sneak up behind him they fight a little bit obi throws him into a cliff and then picks up all the all the shards of the boulders that he was buried in yeah he picked up like a 30 foot by 30 foot square area of rocks yeah up off the ground just by lifting his arms it's an absolute crazy display i 
I was yelling at my at my. I got up out of my chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and this is really close. This is really close to being like hurting someone with the force directly. Yeah. Is this we're towing the line here? He then proceeds to hurl all of them <laughs> at Vader, machine gun style, for like a straight minute. Yeah. And like the only way, I mean, like. I don't care if you're like seven and a half feet tall and you're in like a suit of armor or whatever. Like mm-hmm. if you put your arm up against a, a rock the size of your torso flying at you at high speed, yeah, your arm going to break. Right. You know? So like he's Vader in that scene is literally holding off Obi-Wan with everything that he's got. And he's yeah. still taking ridiculous damage. Yeah. And it's only after that has happened and he's been rattled Obi goes after like the little control panel on a, yeah. on a suit that apparently you have outside your suit to regulate your breathing. Uh, you know about air conditioners, bruh? I guess. I mean, yeah. the Empire's never, I mean, we talked about the geometrical nature of uh, the Empire and their displays. Like, and they were like, no, Death Star, you yeah, don't yeah. need this trench. Right. Your suit, we're going to have your breathing regulator on your tummy. Is this cool guy that's in charge of everyone that I know and love? Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. If you yeah, yeah. got the one suit, nah, don't, don't spend that, that ninth hour working on this. Well, and if you'll remember the circuitry, we're just going to plug that into your we're skin. Gonna, okay? It's like a battery pack. <laughs> yeah. But we're just going to stab it right into you. Yeah. Yeah. And he just goes to town on that shit. He breaks that shit apart. Like beats the shit out of it with egg. the butt of his of his saber though yeah if he would have just turned that around one time we'd be done right right and then he does this epic like fucking chops him right (laughs) he does this like uh there is this great fight on the old wec promotion and uh i can't remember who it was but the dude like jumps off of the cage and kicks his opponent in the face Mm. and it reminded me of that because obi-wan like parkours it yeah and then totally swings at Vader's skull. Oh, so that's a Superman punch, man. <laughs> yeah. And then and then chops off a good chunk of his helmet. Now, this this scene oh man harkens back to us to an episode in Rebels called Twilight of the Apprentice. Okay. And so the that episode, Maul, Ahsoka, Kanan Jarrus, and Ezra Bridger all go to Malachor 5 in search of a Sith temple. Vader shows up. He and Ahsoka fight for the first time, and that's when Ahsoka realizes who Darth oh, Vader yeah. is. And in that fight, she manages to get a swipe in and cuts away a section of his face, and it's the same thing. You can see the orange and yellow eye, and it's this kind of Anakin slash Vader mirroring. Yeah. <clears throat> and we have that here, and it's just extremely well done. My favorite part about it was how they blended his voice, where it went oh. between Hayden Christensen's and James Earl Jones's voice. It was so good. That that it, scream at the end, too. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, when anyone's like Star Wars doesn't have good writing, that shit is all in the past, people. Yeah, we're we're doing some things. And then Obi, he calls him Anakin. Yeah. Right. He's all. Come on, buddy. Come on back. I know you're in there. And then he's and then uh he's like, I am what remains. Yeah. <laughs> and his his voice is modulating between the two pretty nicely. Yeah. And then you hear then he says, You didn't kill 
Anakin Skywalker. I did. The thing that I think is interesting about these two characters is that neither one of them can really bullshit the other character. No. So there's no point in it. So every time that we see an interaction all the way back to episode three, Mm -hmm. where like, you know, you were the chosen one, you know, you were my brother, Anakin, all this kind of stuff. Like that's raw. Yeah. You know, and now it's kind of Anakin's turn to, to own up to this stuff. And like, this is why like Darth Vader should never be considered stupid or unaware. Yeah. Or something because it would be very easy for Anakin Skywalker to simply blame Obi-Wan Kenobi for everything, every problem that befell him. Well, he does initially, right? In the uh, towards the beginning of their encounter to in this last episode, he says, You made me. Yes, but what he what I have always intuited about that line is that <clears throat> Obi-Wan is the reason why Darth Vader killed Anakin Skywalker. So Anakin Skywalker fought Obi-Wan Kenobi in, at, at the end of episode three and lost. And then yeah. once he's saved by Sidious and put into the suit, that's really when Darth Vader becomes Darth Vader, right? Mm-hmm. Like earlier in episode three, before he goes to the temple and then to Mustafar, you know, he pledges himself to Sidious and he he's like, henceforth, you shall be known as Darth Vader. And he gets up and they have a conversation about how they're going to destroy the Jedi Order and all these kids. And then he goes and does it. But it's not until he's put into the suit yeah. that like his self-identity really changes. Yeah. I and have that's a... what that's what he meant. I have a theory about it too. I love your theories. Well, you don't like a lot of them, but we'll we'll see. uh, Trying to be supportive here. He said you made me at the beginning of their encounter. And he also talked about weakness and everything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like part of that um, is his, was him manipulating Obi-Wan. Cause I think he probably knew the ties that he still had. Maybe the weakness that he was talking about, was that you're not willing to kill me. Sure. You're not you're not willing to see this through, which you mentioned, right? And the you made me part is just him trying to play into what he senses in Obi-Wan, which is the regret, the remorse, the feeling bad. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, when he sliced his fucking face in half, he was just like, okay, okay, you, you're, you're fine now. The weakness isn't there. You are willing to, to do this. Now there's no reason for me to manipulate you. There's no reason for me to lie to you. So yeah, you're fine. You didn't do it. I did. But also it could be a point of pride because the thing about these dark force folks, they seem to be somewhat um, split personality, right? So I think that Darth Vader takes pride in killing Anakin Skywalker. Oh yeah. Well, 100%. Like that is the, that is the purging of any of his remaining weeks. Yeah, right? And then, I mean, that constant internal struggle that they, that they feels, because, you know, it seems almost like, does seem almost like split personalities to, to a degree. Yeah. Ben Solo was the same way for a while, right? Right. Where he's just like, I just want to do art. 
and stuff and then you know, he's beating up an elevator or some shit you know same thing here right where Anakin, where darth vader is kind of talking to obi-wan anakin pops up for a second right right and then and then darth vader is like no but i'm not, i'm in control here you didn't you know i'm i i killed this really powerful jedi right you know and then it's a great scene it's, it's probably my favorite scene. this this i mean this whole what a time to be a star wars fan right and and so then obi-wan leaves like he's anakin's beaten he's all that by the way he can't he can't get up god damn it though again again we do this hey i mean right you're having trouble breathing i uh busted up your little uh it wouldn't take much air converter you're stuck you're staggered you made that you may even die here guess i'm gonna mosey on you know how it is see you later yeah it's um i get it we knew right, like, we knew he wouldn't kill him right, right. just for storyline reasons. i just didn't know it would be another whole hey leaving you for dead peace <laughs> you know there's no yeah. possible way he's gonna recover and then go on to commit atrocities like burning up an entire building for Not another decade chance. right uh, no, an entire planet, not building. A lot of buildings. Many buildings. Right. Yeah, so then he leaves him. Right. And I think that was interesting there is that um, Obi-Wan says goodbye, Darth. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting, too. It's like he accepts the fact that Anakin Skywalker is gone. And like this plays forward into A New Hope, right? When When Obi-Wan and Luke are talking. And like Luke's like, you knew my father, didn't you? And he like Obi-Wan gives him this kind of like he was a yeah. great pilot and a great friend, you know. And then uh Darth Vader, who was an apprentice of mine before he turned to evil, betrayed and murdered your father. Yeah. And now we have better context yeah, yeah. for what that meant. Yeah, it's funny. There's um part of me is really dumb. Okay. Sure. So when these things like this happen. I'm just like, oh my god, that fits so well into the other movie, and I get right. really excited for half a second. And I'm just like, oh, they knew what they were doing the whole time. Right. You can still be excited about it. It's really good. <laughs> but I'm just like, wow, how they? All oh, right, no. Sometimes right. I think it's harder to fill in a blank than it is to sure. write a new sentence. At least do it well. Uh, there was an interesting thing. Um, could mean nothing. I just picked up on it after he buries him. After mm-hmm. Darth Vader buries Obi Wan. He calls him master. Right. It's a and mock- then walks away, right? Yeah. It felt very mockingly, right? It's 100% mocking. Yeah. And then when he's talking to Sidious, yeah. then he says master to him as well. And yeah. it like it in a slightly different tone, right? Like a genuine one. Like a genuine, right. But <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, to me, it, I, I, I picked up on all that stuff too. I just didn't know if like, it kind of felt like like if he still like respected uh obi-wan or if it was i mean i don't i don't think his allegiance was waning at all at all correct right right but when he said it to darcidius it just felt like more affirming obviously genuine but more like no you are my real master sort of thing he i think that he fervently believes that yeah like that is as 
he he fervor Darth Vader is loyal and subservient to Darth Sidious to the same degree by which Darth Vader killed Anakin Skywalker. He simps real hard. Yeah. Yeah. He like I'm so un I'm so unhappy that the the next generation from mine or the third generation after mine came up with the term simping. <laughs> but like if it is super accurate in this case. Right. Right. So I think He's that was that was an simp. interesting little thing to like show Jar's attitude now, right? So we haven't seen, we've seen, we saw Darth Sidious at the end of episode nine, mm -hmm. 40 years in the future, right? Or whatever it is. But like, we haven't seen Vader and Sidious interact together since the original trilogy. Right. And chron chron chronologically. And so like, if you notice, and I think that, I think that you did, like the first thing that Sidious does after Vader's like, hey, we're going to catch him. We got all the probes out. We're doing stuff. We're going to smash through whatever barrier it yeah. takes in order to find him. And he's like, oh, are your thoughts and feelings on this matter clear? Like he immediately undermines him. Yeah. Because he knows he failed. And so he's, he takes this opportunity to not only undermine Vader, but to, to reapply his focus back on serving cities. Yeah. 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 He does this every that, fucking that's conversation what it, his whole life. That's what it definitely felt like to me when he said master, it was a refocus. Yeah. When he called and him, that's a good, that's a good way to put that. If you noticed, you know, like and the viewers out there, if you notice, like after Sidious asked him that question, it's like, Oh, Kenobi doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like instant because he was just like changed. everything that I am about is yeah. Obi-Wan until he's dead. And then two sentences from Sidious and he was just like, Obi, what? Oh, you don't want me to continue to do this? Well, I'm done. What, what, yeah. What would you like then? Yeah. Would you like those eggs poached? You know, <laughs> like, because th that's what he's doing. I mean, yeah, like, that's so, Sidious, that's so interesting. If Sidious wanted him to keep going, he'd be like, well, what's the next step or whatever? What are you going to do now? And like, or yeah. however he would have phrased it. And he was like, I'm not sure your feelings are clear on this. Like finding your old master, like old master. Yeah. 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 Like who's really in charge of you? Because it feels like this dude's got all your attention. I'm not super jelly to use another age appropriate term. That is I jelly use. age appropriate? Is that I, still not for me? Not for me. Totes gel. Totes jelly. Yeah. Because so, I'm simping hard. So like, um, but like, that's all it took. I mean, like, yeah. Think of all the things that Darth Vader has done. Just oh, don't you love show. me, Darth? Don't don't you right, love that's me? That's basically it. Like. If you could, that's manipulation one hundred and one, man. Like textbook an abusive relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the one between Sidious and Darth Vader, and Darth Vader is so, like, reminds me so much of like the, the wife that is beaten. Oh yeah, continuously for sure. Kind of character that like, at, at one point it's just like if I don't leave I'm going to die. Like or if I don't kill Sidious he's going to kill my kid. Like. Like this is the threshold moment where you have to make a decision. You can't self delude anymore. Yeah. 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 You know, so that doesn't come for another eight years. Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's some, there's some simping to be done. So, <laughs> so I think they, I feel like they did a pretty good job of in this episode of like keeping Reva's thing going. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as crazy, no. uh, but uh and the, the the action of 
Obi and Darth. But I do think that Reva's story is pretty interesting. And I'm, yeah, we talked about it last week about how we wanted to end. And this was basically it. I mean, they didn't fight, no. which is fine because somebody would have probably had to have died if that were the case. So they kept her alive. Right. And then she goes after Luke, but then she sees herself laying there. Yeah. It's a very long very long take a scene of her going back and forth to seeing herself and Luke. Like we get it. We didn't need five minutes of it anyway. And she can't do it. Right. So my question for you regarding that is we talked yesterday or last week about how she was absolutely corrupt with the dark side. Well, I think that she had been corrupted. Okay. But this is okay. So this is her moment. Like, saving Luke from Sidious was was Vader's. So, and this gets summed up real nicely after she brings Luke back to the farm. Yeah. And Kenobi and Reva have this conversation. And like Reva's whole story is basically she still lives in this moment where her friends get killed. Right. Her whole, that's, her whole that's, that's where she's been getting all of her dark side power from. Correct. Sure. Like it's, it's the singular defining moment in her life. Yeah. But that was the most, I mean, her life has been in, at risk since that time, but this is, this is the threshold traumatic event where, where she lives basically. So it reminded me of this. <clears throat> so I, I've talked about Star Trek once or twice on here today even. yeah and uh the f- the first episode of star trek deep space nine we get some backstory on our our main protagonist and his wife was knocked unconscious and killed during an attack on their starship mm-hmm. and he can't get her out he can't get her he can't rescue her he can't get her out he can't save her he can't get her body for posterity um to say goodbye And so he meets this race of aliens um, in the future uh, during the present day in the episode. And they can't figure out why he dwells on this moment internally all the time. Mm -hmm. And so they're also, they don't communicate in the same way that human beings do. And so they're like, they're trying to, they're trying to communicate with him. They're like, we don't understand you because you live here. And he was like, I don't understand why you keep bringing me back to this memory. Like this isn't, I don't want to, I don't want to think about this. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to relive this. This is very upsetting for me. And they're like, but you are the one bringing us back to this memory because you live here. And I was thinking like, this is the same thing for Reva. So when she, when she knocks Luke down and he's unconscious at the bait, you know, propped up against this cliff. And she's like, I don't know why she wanted to kill him. I mean, I don't get that part. I think she, she found out either either she knows that it's luke's kid or that it's darth vader's kid which could be a stretch or she knew that it was important to obi-wan and she wanted to get back at obi-wan that makes a lot more sense to me like as you yeah as you outline those options i would i think that one is the yeah i don't know i i mean i don't know if i've missed anything and she figured it out i know she want because i know she wanted to hurt darth vader i mean she got she wanted to luke she wanted to hurt anakin right right yeah I think that she's just hurt like herself. And like, at this point it's about hurting somebody else. I. 
Yeah. So, but her, but she, I mean, she, she must have assumed or known that that device, that communication device, was Obi Wan's. Yes, I would agree that with that. And so then she, I think she just thought, oh, this is something that he wanted. Probably. Well, that that still doesn't make sense. They work together right. to try and kill Darth. So I mean, right. So this is why I think. I mean, we. I just talked about how good the writing was. There were definitely some flaws. Yeah. And like Reva's motivations to go to Tatooine to try and kill Luke Skywalker, yeah, to me are not outlined very clearly. Right, because she, I, I don't, I, I don't know what the whole message is that she picks up. All I know is Owen. Yeah, Owen Tatooine, the boy. That yeah. got her to where I mean, but like, why, why, why are you not? Is it a callback to the first episode where she was on Tatooine and she was like, "I where's a Jedi?" And then like Owen shows up. And she, I don't know. I I didn't understand it when I was watching it, and I watched the episode twice. Oh, maybe maybe smarter people than us know, or yeah. and put on the internet Email for us, us to figure out. Yeah, or if you guys know. I mean, the only thing that made sense to me was either she was getting back at Obi, or she somehow knew that that Anakin's boy was there, which I feel like she should go to the press about. I mean, like I can't believe that she could have. In, I mean, like she didn't even know that Leia was Anakin's kid. All she yeah. knew was that Bail Organa and Obi Wan had worked together during the Clone Wars, yeah. and that sh- if she kidnapped his kid, Obi Wan might come find him. That's a Maybe, long shot. They'll retcon it in a couple of years, and then we'll be like, oh, okay, oh, that makes sense. Okay. okay, you left that on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. Sure. I bet they did. I bet somewhere in yeah. someone's recycle a- bin. A pivotal scene that they could they edit it out yeah makes yeah. a lot of sense but she has this conversation with obi-wan yeah it's a good and, one yeah it was a great one and so she says like have i become him yeah because anakin's her whole entire world i mean it's just all the only thing she can really see in life and this is the moment where she lets that go well and her whole life ever since uh that fateful evening Mm. has been harnessing and focusing on the anger and fear from that day and also trying to ingratiate herself within the person that is directly responsible for it right it's a i wouldn't wish that on my which caused her to hate the person who who is devastated the most by it obi-wan right it's caused her to hunt him down this anger and fear has translated to her trying to destroy the one person who feels worse than her well probably not worse than her that's that's probably a stretch feels responsible for it Mm -hmm. certainly he's the only one that cares that feels responsible right darth vader feels responsible too but he's all like yeah right so yeah so that's been her that's been her life for a while and then and then she she obviously saw herself in him holding her lightsaber over the unconscious skywalker so yeah of course she's going to be worried about that but but yeah obi-wan makes an interesting point or 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 he you know he has an interesting insight which is this is your moment to decide yeah you chose not to be right 
you chose not to be him. Like you had an, you had an opportunity to emulate everything that he did literally. And you, you, you couldn't do it. You didn't, you chose not to do it. Yeah. And now you, because of that, you get to, you get to choose who you're going to be moving forward. Like the hold he had over you was gone. So now I would really like a Riva show that shows her trying to overcome dark side trying not to use it while also trying to either redeem herself or figure out what she can do you know that you could do a show especially if you wanted to talk about addiction yeah that's that's yeah and if you i would love to see reva and asajj ventress team up oh sure because their storylines are so similar and Ventress is further along in hers where it would be kind of interesting to see two, let's call them recovering dark side force users. Yeah. Help each other, not be that anymore. Right. I think that could be, I think that could be pretty interesting. Um, I think the character of Reva's a fantastic one. Mm-hmm. And I thought she brought something that a lot of actors don't bring to star Wars, which was some real emotional depth yeah like she felt anguished to me throughout the entire show you gotta be right that's dark side 101 (laughs) i mean so like i i don't get the same feeling from like say the fifth brother than i did yeah from from her you know that's true he well he definitely felt like i'm angry because angry and she was like trauma trauma is what made me he's more upset in like a Neanderthal kind of way. than <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I can see why a lot of dark side users are pretty one dimensional because they're just like, I want power. Okay. Right. What, wait, what, what is my motivate power is my motivation. That's, that's it. This person says, I can't me no have power. Me want power. Me kill person, get power. Okay. Get more power. And her, and she was like, watched i watched my most looked up to jedi murder all of my friends and the people that are that have been entrusted i that my care has been entrusted into yeah and that's that's why me sad <laughs> and want me want power you know the thing you want power because me no sad no more if get power okay so <laughs> um yep that's a good impression of what how she was feeling I do think it's interesting that she has like the episode prior when they're trying to blast off from the planet and Vader catches a ship or whatever. Yeah. She talks about weakness, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was too weak. I couldn't stop him. Yeah. Yeah. And then in this finale, Vader says effectively the same thing to Obi-Wan, like you're too weak. Your weakness still remains thinking like the implication is that, his is not there anymore. He is he is strong. He is not weak, right? Yeah. And like it's interesting because you don't hear the light side practitioners bitching about weakness. No. You know, and like I think it takes more strength to realize sometimes that you're maybe not that strong. Oh, sure. You know, you know? and so like. Obi-Wan, I think, understands himself and his relationship to the Force 
at a deeper level than most dark side users, maybe outside of Emperor Palpatine, understand their connection to the force. Like, like I would say that we just did this little, we just did this like funny little Neanderthal thing about fifth brother, right? Like fifth brother mad, smash. Me remember, yeah. Get food. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, but Anakin's approach to the force is only slightly more cultured than that. Right. But it's effectively the same thing, the same point of view. Well, Sidious is on a whole different level. Yeah. Well, I feel like, I feel like motivation is a big part of that of, for wanting to learn. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, I've never, I've never um, practiced either light side or dark side, but like, I got to imagine that if you're dark side, it's just like, what do I have to, this person did a thing. What do I have to do? And then they're just like, Oh, you just push them out of the way. Or if you, you know, you can do these things. And I feel like for the, at least for the Jedi, when they were officially being taught, right. It's like, okay, well we do this. Well, and this is why we do this and this is how it works. And like, this is what allows you to do this or like, this is what this means. You know, so it's a lot more in depth as to at least why you're doing it. And that I think that allows you to, to sort of understand. And also like, oh, by the way, you don't have to be fucking flipping out to get here either. Right. right? I, th- I feel like most people, it's easier to learn when you're a little bit calm, collect. It's a nice little environment instead of just like, hey, you piece of shit, weak motherfucker. Yeah. You're going to hit me or not. If you idiot. don't get up off that cliff face, you're going to fall to your death yeah yeah you know how i know because i'm gonna push you okay also you suck yeah i mean like i think that everything you just said was an excellent point right Mm -hmm. like the the dark side does very much feel like we're gonna throw you in the pool and you better learn how to swim and the people that don't learn to swim we leave at the bottom of the pool and sometimes we hold you down and tell you to learn how to swim it's just a fun game we play right you yeah, know, that's it's entertaining for us. Plus, we know that you're gonna like the desperation to live is gonna make you really mad. Yeah, which only gonna helps make you us. strong. Yeah. Once we know that you can swim, now it's about humiliating you. Right. But so Riva basically, as far as we know, renounces the dark side and goes off into the galaxy. Yeah, I think it would be interesting. Yeah. To see her struggle with that, where it's I, just like, oh, choke, no. Riva, we've talked about this. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be great. Now, why? Know, she's like she's like 20. So yeah. She she potentially has a long road ahead of her. Anakin's only 32 in this episode. Yeah, but his days think, are numbered. Think about that. <laughs> that's I yeah, mean, that's the, true. the dude is young. I mean, yeah. like. Um now when she does push Luke, right? He's running away. Reeve is chasing after him and she forces him to fall. And Obi-Wan senses that. Mm-hmm. How come he didn't sense Leia being kidnapped? I think it I think that that has a lot to do with where his focus is and like for 10 years you know, he's on Tatooine where Luke is. He's not yeah. with Leia. Like he's he thinks about Luke. He doesn't think about Leia. Right. Like right. Luke is the one that they're going to quote unquote train, even though there's an equally good force user on Alderaan that's escapable of everything. That Sexism is alive and well on Tatooine. Or yes, on it is. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, and like they do kind of acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, like when they're on the ship at the beginning of the episode, he's going to leave. You know, he says, like, all of you are the future. Like, I don't matter. Like, let mm-hmm. me help you. You're the future of the rebellion, the force, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, when he looks at Leia, you know, like, and he means that. And I'm like, okay, we're acknowledging that Star Wars passed right here. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's retcon this to be better, a little bit more inclusive, right? <laughs> right. <clears throat> Which is good baby steps and um but like he wasn't able he wasn't allowed to hang out or see luke he wasn't able to drop off his little bag of garbage every now and again he got in trouble for that remember so like i feel like maybe is our jedi or force users are they Are they uh, the, the toy that he bought them is a little bag of garbage? Did he just did he just drop off trash for him to put together and stuff? I feel like that's what he did. No. I know it was for a purpose, but his space garbage. Uh, like, do they become more in tune with the Force on their home planets? I mean, I know well, like Darth gets his power from his death spot, and like you know, points of significance of, um, you know, dread and, and hopelessness for them. Is it the same thing? Like if you set up shop, you're kind of going to, going to kind of access Tatooine force a little bit easier than you will. Uh, Cincinnati force. So I would say no. So about the only thing okay. that I, the only Good. thing that I think that would make a difference in there yeah, is if, so the force is concentrated in greater abundance where there is quote unquote like an abundance of life okay so like when you when yoda goes to dagobah like that that we see it as a swamp right but there's like shit flying around and there's a bunch of stuff growing and there's mm. like the things in the water there is an abundance of life on that planet now it just so happens that it's steeped in the dark side of the force which yeah. cancels yoda out yeah so that he, was can, a he can hide there you know and so decision. like right and so would it be easier to tap into the force when it's around you in a greater concentration? I think yes. Do in that sense, like a geographic location, would I would agree with you about mm-hmm. a geographic location? If it's just like all things being equal, but you live on Tatooine, yeah. The, the way that the force might work on a particular place is interesting so like um like in rebels there are these it's very like great plains looking vast expanses of like grass and stuff yeah outside of the cities and there are these little animals called wolf cats and like they live there you know and so uh ezra bridger has like a connection to these these animals you know and like that is something specific to that place where the force can create this interaction between these two living things you know and so like in that sense i think that the environment of a particular planet would like and if you couldn't travel between planets yeah like, and you were force sensitive you would grow up your whole force practicing life and you would only know it in the context of what it was like to use the force on that particular planet yeah. but like i wouldn't say that if you grew up on Tatooine and then went to Coruscant you'd be like oh the force here is a little a little tangy right <laughs> right 
Right. Yeah. Or someone from another planet like lifts a rock and you're just like, you can do that here too. Wow. You're really good at that's crazy. Yeah. That kind of stuff I think sure. is kind of, I'm just trying to, I mean, I don't know what about his, his, his relationship with Luke allows him to sense it when he's in some danger. Well, and let me ask lay, you is it just by proximity? Like they didn't have any sort of connection or anything. I mean, is it, or is it just cause he's focused on him solely for the most part? I think that's almost 100% what it is. So, like, okay, have you ever heard of, like, twins who, like, live on opposite coasts? Yeah, yeah, And, like, yeah. one twin, like, cuts their hand or something, and then the other twin's calling them on the phone and, like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, there's no explaining that. Sure. Like, but there is some kind of attenuation or connection between those two people for reasons that we don't really understand. Yeah. You know, and, like, I, I kind of think of... Luke has been the ever-present thing that Obi-Wan has quote-unquote thought about, worked for, focused on, planning for a decade. Right. And so when something happens to Luke, I think that's just like my radar got set off. Sure. Like there's a blip on my radar. Like my radar is attuned to Luke Skywalker. So so then there's there's then a thing with the Force then, which is if you think about something with intention so much, it's sort of like the force ghost thing. You can learn to do it just by thinking about it and forming a relationship through the force with it. Like Darth Vectivus was able to make himself a force spirit, Mm -hmm. not a force ghost, but a phantom, I think, or whatever they call it, just because he had thought about and studied and spent time using the force to a, gain information or, or just like be a part of around that thing he did it so much that the force was just like hey you could do it now just because you know <laughs> you put in your ten thousand hours man right so it's basically i mean i guess that makes sense but that's just another interesting way that the force works then where it's just the more time you spend intentionally focusing on something through the force the more accessible it is to you in the future which is probably why the light side works as the light side does and the dark side does works as it does as well. And also then probably why you keep saying how infectious or corruptible the dark side is because the more time you spend with it, the easier it is for you to access it. The easier it is, the harder it is to not access it. And so it just becomes a part of you and a part of who you are within the force. Right. So like in football, there's um, this idea that the left tackle is the most important offensive lineman because he's protecting the blind side of the quarterback right i've been saying that for years yes i know that you have and like i think that people are, are starting to listen yeah this is soccer right though we call soccer is what you're talking about football that's correct yeah but also in american football this holds true as well oh and so like for the lions they drafted a kid two years ago named penny sewell who played left tackle in college mm-hmm. but they already had a left tackle and mm-hmm. so they played this rookie at right tackle and it didn't go smoothly at the beginning because he had to kind of like relearn how to do all the same things like a mirror image of it. Right. You don't kick out with your left foot. You kick out with your right foot. Like you have yeah. to lead with this hand and not this other hand. And like all the things that he'd been taught most of his life had to be kind of reversed, <clears throat> you know? And so like when someone decides to practice, like I would imagine this is kind of true for Revo right now, which is that like, if I'm going to stop using the dark side, but keep using the force. Yeah. I have to like 
I don't want to say learn to walk again, but like, how am I going to do these kinds of things without doing them in the way that I'm accustomed to doing them for the most of my practicing life? Right. Yeah. So it's definitely if somebody has like a certain trauma or have certain events that trigger things out of them, you have to identify those things. And then you have to be like, okay, no, when somebody does something like this and I feel scared or I want to react angrily, no, that's just because of this other traumatic event that was similar, but that's not this that's different. I need to react differently to this because I'm not in danger right now. So I'll give you a different example. Okay. But I think that you're right. When I was a teenager and like in my early twenties, I was just upset about everything. Like the sun came up and I was pissed off about it. Right. Sure. And when you like in my formative years, I got used to dealing with virtually every scenario from a, from a point of being angry about it. Yeah. And then eventually you grow up and you mature a little bit and you learn that like, Hey, no one wants to spend time with you. If you're upset all the time you're kind of a dick, you know? And so if you want people, like I had to, you know, in my mid twenties, try and figure out how to interact in the world from a different standpoint than just being upset at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's been one of the things that I would think that I've put probably the most work in, in my life is trying to be like, let's not be upset at this. Maybe we should be calm or like clear-headed, or forgiving, or understanding, or empathetic about this thing in front of you. Just do it in a way that's not angry. Yeah. Right? So like, but I spent, let me just check real 15 years working on that. Yeah. How's it going? It's going better. I'm I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Like, it's a lifelong pursuit. I'll never be done. Sure. So... But like now imagine I had to do that shit all cold turkey and and compact 15 years of perspective change into like a singular moment. Yeah. Feels a lot more difficult, right? Like, so like when we're talking about Anakin turning on Sidious, Reva turning away and not killing Luke, this is how I, this is how I formulate it. You're taking decades, maybe years certainly of personal growth and you're condensing it down into a singular heartbeat or eye blink yeah and then moving forward from that point with a different perspective yeah that you then have to practice and you have to now learn how to do everything over again and not do the thing you're used to doing exactly yeah exactly so like the way that i think about it and i'm for, for our listener, I, I am doing a visual representation for Tom that I don't know that I'm going to be able to translate. But imagine that you have the force and all things are possible in the force. But now how you approach that is focus, practice, willpower, education, and intent. And yeah. now it's like Reva has this opportunity to approach the force in a completely different manner. And it's not that she can't do most of what she was trained to do, like all that parkour stuff that we thought was so cool. Yeah. She could probably still do that without tapping into the dark side of the force. But like 
forcing herself into someone else's mind to get information, you know, sneaking up on somebody or like corrupting them or like allowing her, her anger and passion to fuel her connection to the force. That's going to be the challenge. Yeah. That's Some, where her someone saying no to her and her being like, well, let's, let's discuss this. <laughs> you're, you're telling me I don't have the resources of an interstellar galactic empire to call upon now. Yeah. Big diff, big diff, everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I think it's, it'll be an interesting thing if they expand on it. There's a couple other things I want to touch on just briefly here. Like I, I really want to touch on Leia because she's like my favorite character in this entire thing. Yeah. And so she gets back to Alderaan. She's safe and sound. And like the first episode, we saw her kind of like playing hooky to get out of her responsibilities as like this princess of Alderaan. Well, now we see her, no attendants helping her. Laying out all her clothes. She's got the braids, you know, that's dope. And she's got, she's buckling up all of her, her shirt and her boots and all that kind of stuff. And she's got the gloves. putting all her stuff on, yep. Holster. Obi-Wan had given her Padme Amidala's old holster. Yeah. She happened. That's a one in a billion chance that he found that. But like didn't know that was that. Yeah. And uh I thought that was cute when she was like, there's no gun in it. And he was like, I'm not gonna give you a gun, Leia. You're 10. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But like you're not always gonna be 10, you know? And yeah, she wears that now, you know, and like she's ready to go. Like she's taking this seriously because this experience has changed her and like she goes out and meets her parents you know and she says i'm gonna want to make some changes about how we do some of this stuff if i'm gonna do this yeah a fucking 10 year old is like okay listen guys we gotta i have ideas okay if i'm if i'm if i'm gonna do this if you want me on your team you're gonna have to play along okay and her dad who i think i just love the way that he is a father to her yeah yeah he's like let's figure it, let's figure it out together. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, you, Jimmy Smith's, you are immaculate <laughs> in your profession. And so Obi-Wan comes back, Lola, the droid had hitched a ride with him when he went off to confront Vader. She's back with Leia tucks into the holster. And I really, I just started to cry. Yeah. Like, tears streaming down my face when he, they have their goodbye. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you are, forthright and discerning well yeah passionate and like outlines these traits from both of her parents yeah oh but then he's like i can't tell you anymore and she's like that's okay yeah i'm just like jesus christ and she she accepts that i mean like when she said that yeah i thought to myself this is this is a real sign of her maturity because she realizes like one of the like sub themes of this whole, this whole show has been like, she's an, she's an adopt. She's been adopted. Well, they both have. Right. And like, well, she was adopted. Right. But, mm-hmm. and Owen's his uncle. Owen's Correct. Luke's uncle. Right. Step, but, yeah. step, but even Owen is like, right. he's my own. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's, and this is a great point. This is, and this is the ultimate, I think, in in how people need to treat each other mm. is that she might not be their daughter by blood and luke is certainly not he is closer to blood to owen yeah. than leia is to the organas but 
it's not about who you're born into. It's about who loves you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's what makes you family. And when she says, it's okay, you don't have to tell me about my parents. It's because. And then she looks over at her other parents. Yeah. Because those are who her parents are. Yeah. That's who your parents are because they love you. They're raising you. They're there for you. They're being your parents. You know, and like Owen for being as kind of a prickly a son of a bitch as he is. By the way, might I add, Baru, total fucking gangster in this episode. <laughs> like, like, well, it's my like, house, so. Yeah, I'm not leaving my house. I pulled <laughs> yeah. a gun out of the wall. And the, the, the thing that did it for me is Reva sneaking around inside the house and she like comes through a doorway and fucking Baru pistol whips her. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I had no idea you had this in you, moisture farmer. Like, like the image I have of you is serving Man. blue milk and your corpse burning outside your house when the the Imperial stormtroopers are done with you. But like Jesus Christ, yeah, dude, she's ready to like. That's like to me would be like I'm gonna go punch this bear in the face real quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> right. Just like this is a horrible idea. Like, why would you do this? And she's like, Oh, I totally did it. You guys get yeah. on camera. <laughs> yeah. So I was super impressed with. Baru and Owen basically standing up to what amounts to a demigod, even an injured right. demigod. Like they're holding their own. Yeah. For eight minutes. Um, as long as they could. Yeah. As long as they could. They gave Luke a chance, right? Luke almost got away. <clears throat> and uh, it worked out the way it needed to work out. But like you're right. Like they, they love him. You don't do that shit. No. For someone you, if you don't love them. Right. You know, and you know, Obi-Wan at the like the last scene, like Obi-Wan comes back to the farm. Uh-huh. And you know, he says to Owen, like, no, he just needs to be a boy right now. And like he, you know, you're the one that needs to be, you know, present in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, and like uh Owen's like, of course, Owen is like, Well, I thought you said you were gonna keep your distance, and Obi-Wan reaffirms that he is yeah. going to do that. I was just bringing my space garbage for the kid. Yeah. That's all. Let me, it's trash day. You son of a bitch. <laughs> right. And then he says the line. Yeah. And then Owen has just a momentary thaw. Yeah. And he's like, Ben, do you want to meet him? Yeah. And all it is, is Obi-Wan giving him a toy and garbage saying his Obi-Wan line. Hello there. Yeah. You know, and which is so good. Oh, it, it was great. It was just fantastic. Yeah. And then he packs up his cave, right? Which you hated because it looked terrible. Yeah. When he said that, he goes off into the desert. And who's there? But Qui Gon Jinn. The old Qui Gon. Yeah. And it was funny because after the episode came out, Disney released a statement from Liam Neeson that said that. Because when the sh- it was widely speculated that he would be in the show, uh-huh. and he shot those rumors down immediately, like before episode one came out, and he said, "I'm not really a TV guy. I mean, I might be persuaded to do it, but you're, there's a lot of zeros attached to that decision." And he's like, "I'm more, I'm more about the stage and and movies, but it'd have to be a pretty amazing show in order for me to do a weekly a weekly series." And so, yeah, so everyone was like, "Well, we probably won't be in it." And then he said. But I had so much respect for George Lucas and what Star Wars has become for so many people. And I realized that I'm a part of that. And it seemed like such a small thing 
to do this small thing for all those people. Yeah, it was, was big, like, it was a big deal. And I was like, you sound the exact opposite of Harrison Ford right now to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And John Boyega and anybody else that isn't appreciative of what Star Wars is. You know, not, if not, I mean, like every, like I freak out anytime I think about meeting these people. Sure. Because of their contribution to this thing that I love. Yeah. And you I'm know, glad I, that he did it. I didn't watch it until today. And oh, wow. I, it was not spoiled for me that he was in it. So I, I was Good. pretty, pretty happy about that. Good. But yeah, I thought that was great. It was just a quick, quick couple of lines, but it's it pretty crazy because it's just like, Oh, good. You finally, you made it. I've been you waiting. You finally got here. Yeah. You finally <laughs> yeah. got yeah. here. Yeah. I, I, I know what's going on, but like, I've just been waiting for you to get here. I'm not over there. And I thought it was interesting. Like the last thing that we hear in the show is that Obi-Wan and, and Qui-Gon start heading off toward the horizon. Yeah. And Qui-Gon says, we've got a ways to go. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the quintessential, I think the quintessential idea of all Star Wars stories is that we are seeing a snapshot in time for all of it. Yeah. Because life and everything else, the force and like civilization and these people were just getting brief momentary glimpses into what goes on in their lives. Right. Yeah. And it'll never stop. Right. You know, so, or at least I hope it doesn't because that's, a monumental change in the what what life looks like right yeah yeah but it's an amazing show i'm it's a great series i'm excited to watch it again yeah i thought everyone did great we'll probably talk we'll talk about it some more probably in a couple weeks yep so we will be off next week for the fourth of july so no no episode but should we should we tease them yeah let's do it go ahead there's gonna be a return Ooh master who savage oh if there's one thing we know about master savage which we're super happy about yeah because we get a lot of listeners when he's on yeah the the ratings go let's say through the roof yeah master savage is on so we expect a big we don't know why we're just really happy about it and we should probably have him on a lot more than we do considering the uh, popularity yeah if we were just like rating whores i mean we would we would want (laughs) We would certainly want Master Savage to be a more integral, true. frequent member of the show. Yeah. But we're not that. And so we're willing to have him no. come on at, at his own pace. Yeah. If it's one thing you can get on, we don't care what you want. Okay. It's about us. This is yeah. our podcast, right? Yeah. But we do really appreciate you listening. If you do have questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, hit us up. Me- mediocre conversations at Gmail com if you want your questions read like master winkles was on the podcast today real simple formula for getting that done yeah uh, you just ask it right and then we'll do it pretty much hey thanks everybody may the force be with you <laughs>